All right, well, it is good to be with you this morning. Y'all are a little bit rowdy today, which I like. I like it. When we, <laughs> it is spring, yeah, we can be rowdy. When we did our little walkabout this morning, I literally had to walk out and come in this door because there was no room. <laughs> so that's good. That's good. Uh, happy y'all are here. Um, those of you watching on Facebook, happy you're watching. Again, last week we had over 200 people watch our, our service on Facebook, which is just so great. So, <clears throat> so I'm excited about this series that we're continuing called Armor. Uh, I don't know about you, but, but even from this end of, of, of the series, it has, it has changed some thoughts that I've had in my life. It's changed some steps that I've had in my life. Uh, and so I just pray that that's true with you as well. I pray that in this time, uh, that, that the Lord's going to continue to teach you how to take steps. And he's going to continue to teach you how to win uh, so that we don't have to be scared. We don't have to walk in fear, uh, even though there is a war happening. We know that there's a war. We know that the enemy is alive, that he's active, and that he's after your soul. But we also know we don't have to lose, that we can win, and we have the tools. Uh, so far, we've talked about the belt of truth, the word of God. Uh, what, we, what we base our life on, the standard for our life. We've talked about the breastplate of righteousness, uh, which is an identity that then when we believe that identity about ourselves, our actions will line up. Our life will line up to that righteous life. And we've talked about the shoes of the gospel of peace, uh, that, that we're not supposed to walk in anxiety, we're not supposed to walk in fear and worry, but that we can partner with the Holy Spirit and with the word of God and begin to take steps in peace. Um, I think when I was driving in this morning, uh, I just had a, I had a thought, um, just an encouragement. I think that sometimes these concepts are big, and it just seems hard to grasp. And it's like, oh, man, I'm, I'm supposed to walk in peace every day? That's hard. And so I want to encourage you that everything that the Bible says uh, is, is possible to do. <laughs> it's possible, and it's essential. And if it wasn't, then he wouldn't have put it in there. Okay. Now, he has so much grace, and when we take a step back, he forgives us immediately. There's so much grace, but it is possible to do these things, and Jesus will give you the power and the will to do these things and to take these steps. <coughs> so, let's jump into today. Today, we're going to be talking about the shield of faith. Uh, we are going to be in three passages of Scripture, Ephesians chapter 6, Hebrews chapter 11, and Luke chapter 5, if you want to turn there. Uh, so the shield of faith is a protective piece of armor. Uh, it's, it's one that we can keep the enemy at bay when we're, when we're having the shield of faith. When correctly utilizing it, the enemy actually can't see you. Okay, so when we picture a shield, we picture like, you know, the cartoon one that he's got it strapped on his arm and it like is barely big enough to cover his face. Like it does nothing. That is no good. The shields that they would have pictured when he's, reading, when he's writing about this in Ephesus is about a half a body shield. So if I'm standing here, it's going to come up to about right here. And so what you would do with it is hide behind it. So the enemy couldn't even see you, let alone attack you. I would love to not be seen by the enemy. huh? When the enemy can't even see you, there's no chance that he can attack you. And so, so these, these shields were not just for little, you know, little dinky things like we see. It was for your life, for your, your whole life. You can be saved when you're hiding behind the shield of faith. So let's turn to Ephesians chapter 6. 
is where we're going to start, where we've been, where we will continue to be. Again, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. We have an enemy. We have an enemy that's after us. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything, to stand. Stand firm with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. So there's a couple of of differences in this verse and in the ones that that, uh, were before it. The first, uh, it says, and when you translate it back, the first three talk about having yourself shod in or having girded yourself with the shoes of peace, with the belt of truth, with the breastplate of righteousness. Having shod or gird, it's something that you wear all the time, okay? Those are things that you wear all the time. Then he says, in addition to wearing this all the time, you need to make sure that you take up the shield of faith when the enemy's coming after you. Okay, so there's things, the the shoes of the gospel of peace. We are supposed to walk in peace always. We are every moment supposed to be walking in that peace. The breastplate of righteousness. We are always supposed to be living out our identity as righteous ones. Then he says, take up the shield of faith when you're feeling these attacks, when you're seeing these flaming arrows. So we know at this time that we are, yes, supposed to wear the first three all the time. It's always supposed to be a part of us. But when the enemy's coming after us is when we have to make sure that we make sure that we make sure that we pull out our shield of faith, that we're hiding behind the shield of faith. I don't say hide in a, in a bad term, not in like a cowardly hide, because you're still at war. I'm saying hide as in he can't see you. And when the enemy can't see you, he can't beat you. So... Hey, that's okay. It happens. So when the enemy is attacking, it is so important that we get out and walk in our shield of faith. And Jesus can't put on your shield of faith for you. We're going to talk about this later. But your faith, the faith that we're talking about with the shield of faith, is about you. It's not about God. Obviously, it all has to tie in together. But it's more about what you are doing, not about what he is doing, and we're going to talk about that. So the shield itself is faith. The protective wear that keeps us safe from the enemy is faith. So we need to define faith. Let's turn to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. Faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. That sentence doesn't even make a lot of sense when you think about, when you think about the wording. Being sure of something that you hope for, being certain of something that you cannot see. This passage later goes on. This is one of my favorite passages in Scripture. It talks about all of the people that have taken steps, all the people that have put on the shield of faith, and what happens to them. People like Noah. So Noah... There is, a, there is a drought that has been happening for a long time. And there's no chance of rain. Obviously, there's no forecasters, but they, they are believing that there's no chance of rain. And then God says to Noah, Noah, 
I'm going to flood the earth, and you need to go out and build a giant boat and save humanity. If I'm Noah, and it's been a flood for this many years, and suddenly somebody is telling me, you need to go out and build a boat because there's going to be a flood, 0% chance I believe it. There's just, there's just no way. I'm thinking, man, what did I eat last night? <laughs> like, what in the world? But Noah heard God, believed God, and decided to take a step. And it was despite everything else. So everything in his past says there's no way there's going to be a flood. Everything in his mind, there's no way there's going to be a flood. Everything in the world, even the truth, even the reality of what was happening said there's no way there's going to be a flood. But God said something different. Let me tell you this. We're going to keep going into this. But sometimes the truth on earth is not God's truth. Okay? The enemy has power over the earth. The Bible says that the enemy has dominion over parts of the earth. So what that means is he can manipulate things. But his truth is not God's truth. And so Noah decides not to listen to anything else but the voice of God. He listens, he believes, and he takes a step. He starts building a boat. I cannot imagine how weird this must have been for him and his family when it is completely dry and he's out building the boat. I'm just, that, that's just beyond me. But then what happens? Flood comes because God's word is true. Flood comes, Noah saves everything. He saves humanity, he saves, he saves livestock, he saves everything because he listened to God. Then it talks about Abraham and Isaac. And, and God says, Abraham, you need to take Isaac up and, and you need to make a sacrifice. And Abraham is sitting thinking, you're telling me I need to sacrifice my son Isaac. And, and so they're walking up this mountain. And I can imagine every step is just agony for Abraham. Every step is just, I can't, I can't believe I'm about to do this. I can't believe I'm about to do this. But God continually says, Abraham, I'm going to provide. I'm going to provide for you. And so Abraham is having to trust. Every step is him trusting and believing God's word. And because he trusted and because he believed and because he continued to take steps, God provided. Abraham did not end up having to sacrifice Isaac. What about the Israelites? Man, they're running away from slavery. They've been enslaved for lots of years. And they're running away. And they, they reach the Red Sea. And behind them is an army coming, and in front of them is the sea. I'm sure their first thought was not, yeah, we're going to be fine. Like, guaranteed. Guaranteed. They're thinking, what on earth are we about to do? They're thinking, we're about to go right back into slavery. And God says, you know what? You're not just going to walk across this. You're going to walk across, and the land's going to be dry. So when I was in, when I was in the Grand Canyon, uh, it snowed, Okay. There is no worse time on earth than to be in the Grand Canyon in the snow, by the way. But, but we were camping outside, and so there was just a little bit of snow. But the next morning, we wake up, try to get in the van. The van gets stuck in the mud, okay? 15-passenger van stuck in the mud. It's not getting out. There's no way. So we call the fire department. Fire department comes, shows up. Fire department gets stuck in the mud. You just lose. You just give up. You're just done. We ended up getting out of it. But what, what the point I'm trying to make is that little bit of water left enough mud to get a fire truck and our 15-passenger van stuck in the mud. And then God is telling the Israelites, okay, this giant body of water is going to split. And even though it's that much water and it's been there for that long, the land's going to be dry. 
That is nonsense. That is nonsense. But they decide to trust. And what happens? The water parts. Despite everything they have heard, despite everything they believe, despite the earthly truth, they hear God, they believe God, and they take a step, and they're saved because of their faith. Faith is simply hearing what God says, believing what he says, and acting on what he says. Hearing, believing, and acting on what he says. What that means is things that are earthly and visible and tangible, that's not faith. If I tell you that, that the carpet is red, you don't have to have faith to, to believe that, okay? Because you can see it. If I tell you that it's warm outside, hallelujah, by the way, if I tell you that, you don't have to have faith because you can go out and be like, yeah, it's warm outside. But what about when everything seems impossible and you hear the voice of the Lord? You're at your Red Sea, people coming up behind you, impossible in front of you, and Jesus says, take a step. That's not as easy to believe as the carpet being red. It's not. And so faith is looking at the unseen, looking at the unheard, looking at the untangible, and despite it being those things, continuing to trust Jesus, continuing to take steps. It's important to note that faith is not feelings. Faith is not your feelings about a situation. Again, the Bible says that the enemy is actually the prince of the world. And so what he can do is he can get into situations and get into these areas and begin to manipulate your thoughts and begin to manipulate what you're thinking or manipulate the situation and make you think differently. And that's when you can't trust your feelings. You have to trust what the Lord is saying and continue to take these steps of faith. Because if we trust our feelings, we're not... How many of you know if you trust your feelings, you're not always going to end up where you're supposed to be? <laughs> yeah. The enemy wants to make the truth seem so distorted. We've talked about this. He wants to lie. He's going to deceive. And in these instances, we can't trust our feelings. Sometimes I believe that our feelings partner with our faith. I do. But often, the enemy wants you... He may even be okay with you hearing the voice of the Lord as long as you're not taking steps, Right? He's okay with that as long as you're not taking steps. So faith is not your feelings. You can be full, you can think that you're full of faith and actually have none. Or you can think that you are completely faithless and be so full of faith. Feelings are circumstantially driven and faith is not. Feelings are circumstantially driven. Let's turn to Luke 5. This is where we're going to camp the rest of the day. Luke chapter 5. One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of... Any guesses on how to say that word? No? Generisat. All right, there it is. With the people crowding around him and listening to the word of God, he saw at the water's edge two boats left there by fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into the one of the boats, one belonging to Simon Peter, and he asked him to put, pull out a little bit from shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. First off, this is a weird little lesson. Already it's weird. Jesus is having a normal conversation with people, and then he's like, All right, I'm going to get in that boat, I'm going to go a little ways, and we're going to keep having the same conversation. That's weird. You're like, Jesus, what in the world? When he had finished speaking, so he finishes teaching, and he says to Simon, Simon, put out in deep water and let down the nets for a catch. 
Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and we haven't caught anything, but because you say so, I will let down the nets. Simon is a fisherman. By career, he is a fisherman. He does this to make money. Okay? Jesus is not. He is not a fisherman. He is a teacher. And so Jesus is saying, Simon, you need to go, we need to go fishing again. And Simon's like, I can imagine he's thinking, what in the world? Why? Why would we do this? We've been fishing all night. They were fishing all night, 8, 12 hours maybe of fish, nothing. They didn't catch a, a darn thing. And Jesus says, no, we're going we're gonna to go out and we're going to keep fishing. Everything about what's happening in this story should lead Simon to say, no, we're not going to do that. Because of his history, his history as a fisherman. Fisher? Fisherman? Who knows? As someone who catches fish. <laughs> he should say no. As someone who's been on a lake for 12 hours, he should say no. But instead, because it's Jesus, he has faith. He hears what Jesus says. He believes it, and he casts his net out. Now, we're going to keep going. Maybe. There it is. When they had done so, so he tossed out the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them, and they had filled both boats so that they began to sink. Fish don't weigh that much. Come on. They don't. And what happens is they listen and believe and take a step of faith, trusting in what God says, and God overwhelms two boats with fish so that they begin to sink. That is a lot of fish. Can you imagine? You don't catch a fish for 12 hours. Some other guy comes and says, hey, let's go again. We're going to catch something. You throw it over. You almost sink two boats with fish. That's unreal. Peter discovered that in spite of everything, in spite of everything in his history, his education, his feelings, his thoughts, if you listen and say yes to Jesus, there is a blessing. There's always a blessing. I'm going to say this sentence, and it's going to be confusing, but don't throw things, okay, please. Faith does not make God move. Faith does not make God move. The Bible says that with, with faith the size of a mustard seed, which I don't even know what that is, but I'm sure it's small, with faith that size, you can move a mountain. But it says you can move a mountain. Faith, our faith does not move God. Our faith moves us. We are the ones supposed to be taking steps of faith. We're not trying to convince and barter with God to do something. Our faith is us moving, us taking steps. If it's up, if our faith is up like moving God, then we're always going to be looking for more than simply living and believing what he's already said and done. Faith is about you. It's about us taking steps. Faith accesses what God has already done and what he's already promised. It's believing that God can and will and already has done what he said he was going to do. In Romans 1.17, it says the righteous will live by faith. That means that our lives will never look normal if we are living 
by faith. If every day we are not trusting what we are seeing, but we're trusting the unseen, our lives are not supposed to look normal. Faith is more than, than what our five senses can handle. I actually think it's the opposite. You see, what happened is Jesus did everything on the cross. He took all anxiety. He took all fear, all worry, all sickness. Every bad thing he took on the cross. And so our faith is us looking in heaven's realm at what he's already done and bringing that down. Our faith is not sitting and begging, God, you need to do this. God, you need to do this. He already did it. It's us believing and taking steps and making it happen. (coughs) By faith, we believe and we act on God's word. We don't let what we see determine our faith. That is sight. I see that the carpet is red, therefore I know it's red. But it's believing in what Jesus is saying. So we have to wear faith to protect us from the darts of the enemy. See, these darts were meant to get into your armor and dismantle everything. And I don't know if you've ever been hit with a a dart or an arrow. I'm sure it can't feel good. Light it on fire, 100 times worse, guaranteed. It says flaming darts. The enemy's throwing flaming darts at us. We can protect ourselves by simply wearing our faith, by simply listening and believing and acting on the words of God. Whatever the fire is that the enemy's throwing at you, your faith can put it out. Whatever that fire is, your faith can can put it out. Jesus already took it all so that our lives don't have to look normal. Again, we're not trying to convince God to do something. We're not trying to convince God to move. I'm not looking at God and saying, please, God, please, please, I need you to do this. No, he already did everything. He took the sickness. He took the anxiety. He took the worry. So I don't have to sit and beg, God, please take away my worry. God, please take away my worry. I have to listen and believe and act on what he already said. This is something that's just coming to my mind. Um, this isn't even in my notes. But, but these shields, the reason they were so big is because they were ideal for walking in a group of three or four. And so what you would do is you could advance still with this shield Because your other people had your back. Your faith needs to be in unity. The Bible says in Psalms, I believe, that that where there is unity, God commands a blessing. He commands a blessing when there's unity. And your faith is not meant to be alone. If you're holding up your shield of faith right here, you have all this behind you that you can still be hit from. But when you're traveling as a team, when you are in this, this soldiers and you're, and you're moving and all of you are holding up your shield of faith, no chance. You can't even be seen. So that's just love the local church. Be involved in the local church. Be involved somewhere with a group. Do something. You need to have unity and you need to have community around you. Um, sorry, that was a little tangent. Our feelings and our reality don't change our faith. Your faith needs to change reality. Again, Israelites, get up to the Red Sea. Reality says they're gone. They're being chased from behind. There's a lake in front of them, a sea in front of them. Reality says they're done. 
but their faith changed reality. The waters split and made walls. That is terrifying. But it happens, and they walk across. No mud. That doesn't make sense. Faith changes reality. Our faith should change reality. And when we're looking at our situation, we will always get distracted. We're looking at our situation. Our feelings are going to change. But when we're looking at Jesus, and we're listening to Jesus, and we're taking steps towards Jesus, our reality will change. Uh, I'm not sure if I've shared this yet, but I have a sister named Sarah who has cerebral palsy. Um, Sarah is 30. I'm probably not supposed to say that. That's what they say. Oops. Sorry if you're watching, Sarah. Um, So Sarah has cerebral palsy, and there was so many things that she was not supposed to be able to do. A, live till 30. B, walk. C, write. All of these things. She was was supposed to be dependent forever, okay? Two Novembers ago, my sister got married to to another individual who has cerebral palsy. They're the cutest couple on earth, by the way. If you want to stalk my Facebook, you can see them. But, But Sarah walks. She talks. She is not dependent on anybody. She's actually super independent, annoyingly independent. But... But all of these things that she was never supposed to be, she still has cerebral palsy. She still has cerebral palsy. But her faith, our faith, changed her reality. I think something important to note, uh, Jesus' ways are higher than our ways, and his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. So sometimes, you know, Sarah will say this herself, but... Her testimony, her story, her impact on people's lives is different because she has cerebral palsy. If she didn't, her story wouldn't be the same. Her impact wouldn't be the same. Jesus turns every situation and makes it something beautiful. That's his word. It's his promise. It's his guarantee. And so I can look at Sarah and I can say, Sarah, like, uh, you, your, your faith completely changed reality. I'm still believing for Sarah's complete healing. We still believe for Sarah's complete healing. We still pray for Sarah's complete healing. But you know what? In the midst of it, Jesus is still saying, everything's going to be beautiful. I'm going to make everything beautiful. And we sit and we grab that promise. And walking in faith is taking steps. Yes, it's going to be beautiful, Lord. We trust you. We trust you it's going to be beautiful. And until then, Sarah's story is impacting so many people. Sarah's life is impacting so many people because our faith changed reality. My challenge this morning, what areas of life are you, are you getting up to and it seems like you're at the Red Sea? What are areas in your life where it's easy to hold on to the physical realm, it's easy to hold on to what's seen and what's tangible and not trust Jesus? My challenge is this week that that would be brought to your mind and that this week you would make a decision to, no, I'm not going to believe the lies of the enemy. I'm going to take steps of faith. I'm going to take steps and listen to you. When you get to the Red Sea, are you going to step? As we begin to pray, I just just want to encourage you. Again, faith is about you taking steps. It's time for us 
as individuals and as the church, capital C, all Christians, to begin taking steps in activating our faith. To begin taking steps, remembering what God promised, remembering what he said, remembering what he already did, and living it out. Jesus, we love you so much. And we're so thankful for the way that you fight for us consistently. Your word says you're fighting even when we're still. And I just thank you that you fight for us. Lord, I pray that this week you would bring to mind areas and situations in our lives where maybe we're not walking with the shield of faith. Maybe we're struggling. Maybe we're looking at the Red Sea and not knowing what to do. I pray that you would bring those situations to our our minds so that we can look at you and continue to take steps forward. You're always good and you're always faithful. And we love you. In Jesus' name, amen.